You're listening to the Autism Weekly Podcast. Each week we share community voices and bring light to stories that increase awareness, acceptance, equity, access, and inclusion. If you haven't already, subscribe to join the Autism Weekly family. I'm your host, Jeff Skabitsky. This week, we welcome Aaron Smith. Aaron is a young man who identifies as autistic, and since he was five years old, his favorite musical artist has been Elvis Presley. He decided to create a live tribute to Elvis and has made a career impersonating him on stage. Today, we're going to talk about coping with autism and how that affects the performance and the professional life and how to pursue one's dreams no matter what barriers may exist. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. It's a real pleasure to be here. So as we go through this, one thing I'd love to be able to do, Aaron, is is get a piece of what drove you down this career path. Not a lot of people have gone this route. So (laughs) give us a little bit of a history of, of how you found Elvis impersonation as a career. Well, I would have to say going from a younger age, I never was into sports as much as my dad wanted me to be or my family wanted to be. I went hardcore into the the music and and choir and anything theatrical. And um, from a young age, once I discovered Elvis, it was just this, uh, I guess, rabbit hole of infatuation and obsession and 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 just that was my thing and then as i got older and more mature it was discovering who he was as an artist and also then kind of trying to my music teacher would always incorporate an elvis act or something into the play for me which was really nice but it was just anything i could learn to absorb his costuming and his music and and anything that had to do really was was my uh, obsession as a young kid and then when i got older i i really dreamed of of doing something with it but that's that's how it got started from like really young it just was everything and anything i could learn about him i think that's that's awesome is that i mean you characterize it as an obsession but it, it really is almost like a lifelong study and the ability that and i've gone and looked at your instagram and i've seen the videos that you've posted but the idea that you know so much of the characteristics of elvis and mm-hmm. you're able to really bring that to your art it 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 brings about this idea that having this real intense interest is such a benefit and it could really help to create new new paths and new opportunities. So you talked just right now about ways that you incorporated Elvis into, into your life, whether that was with uh, your drama teachers when you were growing up. Um, were there other ways that people around you helped you to be able to build on this success of, of really kind of getting to understand Elvis and, and driving that passion? I would have to say my mom. My mom was a big supporter in anything. Um, you know, it was as long as you can do something well, don't do it, don't do it half. To always put a hundred percent into, you know, what you're gonna do. And and also, you know, it was not the hard thing was balancing, you know, therapy and 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 you know, because growing up I had a therapist and there were appointments, and then it was like, 
you know, they're telling us, well, you know, he shouldn't be doing this or he should be doing that. And so it was really having people, supportive people in my corner, not only my parents, but but people in, in the field as well. That was like, this is kind of an out of the box thing for an autistic person to do. Normally they want their headphones on and they want a quiet atmosphere. To go out on the stage in front of people and to be in the theater is not fitting that mold. And you, you actually hit on something that's super interesting to me. And I think it's something that the the field of treatment has changed drastically over the years. But the the idea that people were telling you that you shouldn't do things, that you can't do things, that we don't want you hyper-focused on something all the time, that to me strikes as a potential limitation. And I would imagine is that the treatment community probably should be more open-minded to figure out ways to be able to support your passion and work on goals and skills that maybe you want to work on. And that might be being able to present publicly. That might be being able to plan out schedules or create a website. How much How much do you feel like the treatment community was able to help through that process versus the stop? I would have to say in the early 2000s, I, I think there was just a, a standard at the time. And like I don't think there was as much advocacy or, or awareness for it because I remember a lot of it was from like the, I don't want to say the molds, but like the ba- your basic, you go in for an appointment, they assess you, da, 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 da. And it's like, it was, no, you shouldn't, or, you know, that's going to be a stressor, da, 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 da. And my mom ended up having an independent therapist that would come in weekly and work on money, time telling, independent living skills, that sort of thing. But also we would always touch on like, if this is something you want to do, we'll help make that possible with skills training. And we're not going to say, don't do it. Because this is something that not only gives him social interaction with, with, with the public and with people, but it gives him a way to kind of be more comfortable in front of people because he's putting on a character. So it's a social skills therapy in a way that isn't something your typical autistic person would want to do as a stress relieving thing or as a soothing thing or or something in that of that nature. Yeah, I mean it's it's not intuitive that that would be the the correlation that we'd be seeing. But it makes so much sense is that you take somebody's passion and you figure out, okay, so how do we work with this to be able to give them every single thing they want in their life is that I do better when there's something I care about and it helps me say, yes, I'm committed. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to do it. And it sounds like you found that, but there must have been struggles along the way. There's probably tons of successes, but tell me about the path of, you know, deciding I'm going to put myself out there. I'm getting on stage. I'm performing. How does that how does that feel? How did you work through that process to get where you are now? There was that was the hill. That was the like hills and valleys of of my early like teen life was I would go to school. I ended up leaving the public school system because I was bullied so bad, which was it's, that was just, you know, not all kids understand. So things like that are going to happen. But my parents put me in a private school, which was beneficial because it's independent learning. It's one-on-one. But I was balancing that 
and and you know discovering who I was as a person and then on the side I was trying to get noticed or get discovered or you know get a band together and and try to do this you know on the weekends and it was difficult because I also went through a temp agency uh, for job skills training so I'm kind of brains going a mile a minute I'm always trying to do this and that and so it, uh, the struggles was making it a reality of like yes I have to put my my skills and what I'm learning for for adulthood as a priority but I also don't want to drop this and put it on the back burner either so it was always doing something and not always financially was it possible to go to every contest to go to every festival to travel and do this and that but i mean my parents tried to make you know things as possible as they could for the time and and obviously therapists did the same but the struggle was there's so many different elvis tribute artists so i was just coming into this new younger and and the competition was i discovered so it's a brotherhood but it's also it, on the other hand in the business world and in the entertainment world it can be so cutthroat oh yeah like it's almost like being an actual celebrity because depending on how good you are there's always going to be that one up thing and you always have to have your face on and you know be presenting yourself even though as somebody who's autistic i'll have to sometimes find myself uh, when I'm on stage or if I'm getting ready for a show, having somebody, um, I have a really good, good lady in my corner. She was friends with my mom. Her name's Cindy. And I have another lady in my corner. Her name's Brooke and another girl named Haley um, and another friend of mine, Jim. And Jim does Elvis and, and his, uh, his uh, one of his staff, John. But it was having those people in my corner like Cindy and Brooke and to reel me back in and say, it's okay, you need to unwind, you need to step back and you need to refocus. Because I'm not always aware of, of that. I'm always going, I need to present to people the best possible, you know, image or whatever or show or presentation that I can give them so that, you know, I get noticed or I don't present, I guess, disabled if you will from time to time because that can be an en enemy in the entertainment world and it sucks no. no it does and i've heard that i've heard that from a lot of people who have gone through the path of media it's uh it's a double-edged sword and um and if you get labeled versus people seeing you for who you are with all the characteristics it becomes so so challenging to be able to really define who you want to be seen as and it limits you and it patronizes you. And it just for me, I want to be real, but it's also hard for me to to let that guard down as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I only let it down for probably three or four people in my circle that I really, really trust. And on the on stage or getting ready for a show, that's hard because the public only sees one side of me. They only yeah. see that they don't see the social awkwardness or the fact that you know I'm struggling with other things and and mm -hmm. and they just see an hour of me doing my thing and yeah. and that's it and I mean I think I think I see that in social media nowadays is that like we all have our Instagram face or our LinkedIn face or whatever it may be is that everybody sees that part and public persona yeah, it's so hard to get down to, you know, what what actually drove somebody to be where they're at? What are they struggling with? What are they challenging themselves with? Um, but I and tell me if I'm wrong on this faulty assumption, but 
for somebody who is doing an impersonation is that oftentimes they connect with that person on a level that uh, in order to impersonate them well, they must find things about them. Uh, and for your case, Elvis, where it's like, you know, I resonate with that. I feel that way. Like, I know this guy because I feel like I've lived parts of what he's doing. Is there any piece to Elvis where you're like, you know, that's me. I, I see that. I feel that. His younger life, his younger life, his different dressing, you know, you get he did the dressing very loudly or having a quirky, in, in, intricate, different kind of style that's not what everybody's wearing. And and the fact that, you know, growing up with not a lot of money, um, I did grow up in the suburbs and my parents did generally well, but I didn't see the struggles behind the scenes. So as I got older, it was relating to the to the poorness of it and also um the fact that he didn't stop doing what he wanted he never let anything negative limit him but also um the other part would have to be probably the passion for advocacy and for helping others because i loved how he was one of the first entertainers in the early 70s to play the international hotel with black back background singers and 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 to advocate for Black Lives Matter before Black Lives Matter was even a thing and and coming from the South and always being humble and always being given giving that for me, I've always been one to advocate for the underdog so that even at a young age before I understood what he was doing, the more research I did, it was like this myth that he stole black music. That's the uneducated crowd. And I mean, I've defended this for years when oh, well, even when the new movie came out, I I gained a lot of popularity with that because it brought Elvis back to the table but the younger people oh he stole black music and oh he did this no if you really deep take a deep dive into it and you go do your research you'll realize that in the 50s black people weren't allowed on tv so he brought that music to the front and gave them a platform so that in the 60s 70s and 80s and you know so on they had a platform to express themselves in the entertainment world. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so funny is that without perspective, it's it's how do you put things into context? And um, and there's a lot of that, it, it, whether it's in this situation or in every other societal situation, perspective is key and you have to empathize and understand and, and do all those important pieces. Well, um, and it's funny you say perspective because so you'll know this name but you won't you'll be like who is that guy and when i say his late wife's name you'll be like i know exactly who you're talking about so doing this i've gotten to be befriend a lot of i guess i don't want to say famous people but well-known people but like as you get to know certain people like on a personal level you 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 get their personal pages and you you get to message people you never thought you would and a friend of mine really good friend of mine his name is larry strickland I met him because in the Elvis world, he sang backup for Elvis in the in the in his stage show in Vegas and, and it was part of the backing band. But I only say this because I'm a big fan of, of country and Western music. And it was cool to get to know this person because his wife is the late Naomi Judd. Now, and his obviously Winona daughter. So that there's that. But I say this because we got we will talk now and then on social media about different aspects of life and mental illness is is a big aspect especially after he lost his wife so 
you never know when mental illness or a disability or something like that is going to, I guess, hit home or be more relevant for you. And, and that's another thing I like to be able to have an impact on other people and, and, and an understanding for what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Because you're not always that person on the poster or the person on the ad or, or that, you know, you're, there's a person behind every person that we idolize or sensationalize. No, for sure. And I, and, and just even on a day-to-day basis, the only way to really understand how somebody's feeling, how somebody's doing is to have these conversations, to be able to ask them, talk with people, be real at that moment every time you have the chance, because it gives you a chance to learn somebody else's experience. And that's why I love doing these these podcasts. It's the same thing. Is I feel like I learned so much about the, the abilities of so many different people and the passions and what they're doing to drive advocacy. Um, I do have a, a question for you. Before we get into a little bit more of the the stage life of kind of being out there and presenting because I know you have a big show coming up but before we get there you're you're basically running a business too I mean it's uh, if you are trying to schedule things out you're running your social media platform you're entering all these uh all the contests you're trying to figure out how to be able to get all of the appropriate attire how to get your practice time and I know that you had said that you've been you've been really working hard right now and you're losing your voice I mean it's how do you schedule all that out? But it sounds like those are all such key life skills that not all of us have. And maybe you can guess, give a little bit of an understanding of, you know, how either you have brought in the right group to help you manage your business or, you know, what it is that you did for yourself to get to that position. I would have to say still to this, like, Getting my feet wet was important, but also I'm still kind of learning. I still always look at this as until there's like the summertime gets busy, but until I make the right connections, which I'm working on, I look at it as a hobby because I'm still working on my own stuff and, and, and other things, but getting my feet wet was the main thing. And then having obviously help from my counselor and um, uh, Cindy and Brooke and, some people that kind of are able to go that know about people with disabilities and autism and, and that work with people quite a bit actually here in the Fox Valley. Um, so it's having them work with me, but also being aware of the fact that I can trust them and be open to their suggestions as well. And then trying to organize, you know, dates and, and, and I'm not really good with money. So they're able to help me budget and kind of be like, okay, you have this much, we need to put this aside, you know, that sort of thing, which is crucial because I can't do everything. And numbers have always been, numbers and money have always been a struggle for me, always, since it still is. But the learning the ways to find the people that are going to help you and that you can trust without getting taken advantage of and also having people that know how to handle, you know, seeing you and going, okay, if is this where you want to be, this is how we're going to work through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I could say that I went through the same experience with, with my, with my work. It's trying to figure out who, who you can bring on to accompany you on this journey that is going to empower the vision that you have to be able to bring out your stage presence, to give you a chance to perform. And you've brought that team with you. 
And you've gotten to the point where you're heading out to the Smoky Mountain Music Festival, uh, the Elvis Festival, I Elvis should say. Festival, yes. Yeah, that's and, it's a big it's a big contest, and it's my first uh, it's my first ultimate. So. So what is, what is an ultimate? Just to kind of paint the picture, because you live the life, you know all this. For some of us, it's uh, this is new. The ultimate, they you can have like in in a local city or wherever you're at, they have contests local on a local level. Um, but the ultimate is the big league. All these contests are sponsored by Graceland and Elvis Presley Enterprises, which is the people that run the estate and then Priscilla and Lisa and the, the people that worked with him and knew him and that run the estate. So this is the big leagues. They'll have all different guys from all different ages up there and you're judged on costume, voice, presentation, what ring you're wearing, what necklace you're wearing. If so they really pick it apart and they want to decide the next ultimate Elvis tribute artist or the next person that's going to be working with legends in concert if they're good enough for, for a legend show. And it's it's usually four days, three or four days. You have you get your songs, you arrive at the hotel, um, you talk with some of the guys, you do a meet and greet. Then it's three days, two or three days of competing and then. If you make it, you go on to get a chance in the ultimate contest during Elvis week and to represent um, yourself as one of the ultimates. And they'll have, there's usually over 100 to 200 people. So if, if you make it, you're really lucky because that's, that's when you know you got it. But I haven't done one of these before and I was invited to do this and i was very pleased with timmy hendry who's running this um he's another elvis tribute artist and i met him in lacrosse wisconsin at elvis explosion ronnie craig's elvis explosion so he was doing it i said i think this might be a good good opportunity let me check with some people i had some friends of mine that said this would be great to you know aaron may not win but it's a good way for him to get his feet wet and and see what the big leagues, what he's going to be working with, possibly if he continues to a professional level and a, of this is what he wants to do full time. Oh, what an amazing opportunity. I mean, just to just to have the chance to compete against that talented a, a pool of, of Elvis impersonators. I mean, you have, what, 60 years of people that have been doing this. I mean, it's, right. it's daunting. Um, but so. What would you say to somebody that, I mean, you do this advocacy work, you're living a life of saying, you know, I'm chasing my dream. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to build those skills. You have a, a large voice to be able to portray to people who may be hesitant to do the same thing and, and chase their dreams. So what, what do you tell the next person who's trying to be able to say, you know, I'm not limited by a an identity or a diagnostic criterion or whatever is that I can do all this I, w I mean I was oh gosh it's so hard because like I was so fortunate to have a supportive family still do and and a sister who's a, a, a talented and very gifted uh, uh, librarian and not teacher but she was my tutor she was so she always wanted to do education but to have people in my corner that were so gifted and so determined to help me succeed and, and not give up that was important so i would say i'm fortunate but i would have to say 
not a lot of people are that lucky. And if you have, if you're able to do, even if you're not that lucky and you're, you want to do something and you dare to dream and you don't let anybody stop you from doing that, but also make sure that you, you know, have people that can kind of help you go through those, those paths and, and kind of lead you and guide you through that. Because I, I'm stubborn and I'm going to say this to everybody. I'm stubborn. I, it took me a lot to open up, but it also took me a lot to trust people and let them see that. So you have to find the right people and you have to be your authentic self. You can't be somebody that you're not. And, and, you know, I struggled with that for a while. It was like, you have to let your guard down to the people that are willing to be there for long-term and in the long run. And, and, and that really truly care about you. And I, I definitely want to help support this process for you. And I mean, one of the ways that we're able to do that is by helping others to be able to find your performances, to be able to kind of, you know, maybe even book future performances or go out to the Smoky Mountain Elvis Festival to go watch you there. But yes, right across yeah. from Dollywood, too. So it's a perfect vacation and and, and Christmas present. You know, I... I I've faced a lot of backlash in the in the in the music industry or in the music theatrical community whatever you want to call it and that's the one thing that's probably that have been the hardest for me is is when it comes to being your authentic self is being around so many people but I would have to say social media I'm on uh, Elvis tribute artist Aaron Smith on Facebook and uh, I have my Instagram link on there as well as my Twitter on there and uh you can find out where i'll be performing next on elvis tribute artist aaron smith on facebook and uh you can reach out to me on there or some other platforms but yeah don't don't ever limit yourself and and also continue to have um a passion and and whoever your inspirations are look at those people mine like i said it happened to be elvis uh there's probably four i'd have to say elvis Whitney Houston, Tammy Wynette, and Harry Styles, and Mary Wilson of the Supremes. I can't forget her. But <laughs> those were my were my people. And I would have to say, if you're a younger person, take those resources. Take full advantage of the resources that you have and educate yourself and look into what services and programs can help you because that's key. That's really key. You want to say you can do it yourself, but you can't. I mean, you can, but, you know you have to take that help when you can get it. Yeah, I think that those are great words to live by. And whether or not you're doing that to be able to develop skills to be a performer or a business person or a community volunteer or just for self-care, is that we all have resources we need to go seek out and to Self-care, learn. Self-care, what's that? No, I'm just... <laughs> I think we all need to do that, yeah. Oh, but. My. Uh, <laughs> but I appreciate I appreciate Aaron the fact that you came on um, to our podcast to be able to share your dream and hopefully is that uh, our audience can get out there and take to take a look at what you've been able to accomplish and you know hopefully they'll get you into their town sometime soon so we can so we can start to see more performances. Thank you very much, Jeffrey, for having me. It's it's you know it's a great thing to to do what you're doing is incredible and you know it's an honor to be on the program and advocate for the people that that don't have a voice or 
that person that's saying, well, maybe I can't do this, that, that you can. And, you know, and I, what I would have to say to families out there, if you have a loved one with disabilities, you know, it, it's going to be challenging. It's not for everybody, but support them continuously. And if you can't do that, there's resources and tools that can, that can help you with that. And, and, you know, everybody deserves a fair shake and to, to be there full selves and live up there, their full potential. So Uh that is such great advice. Thanks again, Aaron. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week. Thank you.